Welcome to Your Life and Money, where we believe that financial planning is not just about numbers, it's about your life. I'm Brad Smith, joined always by Tim Barodi, and each episode we'll be sharing stories from real people who have used life-centered planning to achieve their goals and dreams. At Advice First, we believe that the key to financial success is aligning your money with your values and your priorities. And we're here to help you do just that. So sit back, relax, and let's get started on the journey to a life-centered plan. As always, it's good to be back and back in the recording studio. I feel like we're here every two weeks. <laughs> we are, literally. And, uh, and today we're looking at continuing and, and kind of starting to bring to a close our, our conversation around the, the wealth transfer and estate planning. Um, I do want to preface that by saying we are still hoping to have a guest on within the next episode or two um, to help um, a bit more on the legal side. And actually, that's one of the things we'll be talking about today right. um, is on the tools and techniques. But um, but yeah, for today, we've 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 covered off the first four decisions or the first four conversations that we need to have as we're looking at this idea of wealth transfer, and that is the transfer the timing, the treatment, and the title decisions or questions, however you kind of want to look at it. (laughs) All very important. And so the the next decision that we have to make is the the tool, what's called the tools and techniques. And this is really, again, we've, we've pointed it out a couple of times, but this is where the real difference between a traditional estate planning and wealth transfer comes into play because typically your your estate plan would start with the tools and techniques. Right. Most people start with tools and techniques. They go they, to the lawyer. Right. <laughs> they, I, I, I need to update my will or whatever it might be. And okay, well, honey, I'll go call the lawyer. And so they start right in number five and hoping that the lawyer gives them all the answers that they need to make the right kind of decisions. And and as we've seen, people make bad decisions by getting, you know, too far ahead in the process here. So Right. And I like I like to equate it to cooking a meal or baking a cake, right? You yep. can't you can't skip steps. You can't not go through one or two of these you can't just ignore an ingredient, right? And hope that the cake or whatever it is you're making is gonna turn out how you hope to. You need to follow the steps, follow the order. And again, and as a part of this process, that's where we feel like once you've answered those first four questions, that's when you can take, that's when you're putting this into the oven now, right? Now right. we say, hey, we've got all the ingredients. We know what it is we're trying to do. Now we go and execute it, essentially. Yeah, now your lawyer, accountant are going to become order takers as opposed to you trying to rely on them or or other advisors to try to give you the answers and what you're looking for and they can be conflicting. Right. The lawyer might say one thing, the accountant might say another one, another, you know, financial advisor might say something else and you're still wrapped up in confusion because you're trying to get the the the, the documentation in place, but if, like you said, if you actually do the recipe correctly, You'll be going to them with, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what we have decided. These are the stewardship decisions that we've made. Fulfill this. Make right? it happen. Right? Make it happen. <laughs> now you're an order taker. Or as and, Captain Picard, make it so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they'll say, we can do that, right? And you get much better alignment between the various advisors that you're relying on. Right. And I think one of the things that you kind of hinted at there, but maybe didn't 
specifically say is simplicity, right? right. It's you're, you're taking exactly what it is you want and it's much simpler at that point for the lawyer to a execute that because again, now they, there still may be some small clarifying questions, whatever it might be, but the framework is there and in place. And so you can keep it relatively simple from the lawyer's perspective, which has a couple of benefits. One, it saves time. You can get this done quicker um, if you don't enjoy spending a lot of time at the lawyer's office. Uh, but B, it can save money because it's, hey, I know exactly what we need to do. I know the documentation. And again, it, it, there might be trusts and other things that multiple wills, whatever it might be. But right. but you can save that time and money be when you know what it is you're trying to do and you're not oh, well, what do we want to do with this? And, oh, maybe we should have considered this um, once you start getting into, again, that tools and techniques. And process. we've seen people have to rewrite their estate plan right. because it wasn't set up properly in the first place because it wasn't well thought out in the first place. And yeah, and, and I would argue there's a benefit to the lawyer as well because, I mean, I'm sure you've had similar conversations with lawyers that, they don't necessarily have the time to kind of go through all of this, or I, I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush, but they maybe don't want to spend the time because a will isn't the most high income generating nope. activity they could be doing. Right? They will admit that. So if, if you know exactly what it is you want and they just have to execute it, right. it's a win-win for everybody involved at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so... All right, so now we have the will or the the documentation side of things. Um, we have that process going. Again, we, you, we have the lawyer, the accountant, whoever needs to be involved on the professional side um, is has helped to now create the documents. We've got things set up. We're done, aren't we? No, not really, actually. <laughs> There's still more to be done there, but... Uh, and, and that leads us into kind of the last decision that we need to do. And that is, uh, is to talk it out. We need to have that talk decision. So mm -hmm. kind of going back to what we talked about a little bit in a previous episode, some people don't like to talk about their estate plan. Most people don't. <laughs> right. And it's a, even a generational thing. If we think about our parents or our grandparents, they are even worse. Like they never talked about money, uh, and those types of things they kept things very, very private in those kind of those generations. And today maybe it's a little bit better. Or I think it is actually a little bit better from my experience of working with people, but, um, but yeah, people will still put these documents together, stick it in a drawer, think that it's done and then never, never look at it again. And of course you the know, executor you finds it years later. Right. right. And now we got a big surprise. So, so what we want to do is we really want to encourage people. This is probably maybe one of the most important steps in my opinion. Um, even though, like you said, you want to do them in order, this is probably one that's super important, and that is to actually have that talk decision with the family so that everybody's on the same page and can kind of talk about through and hear about what's going on. So the key principle here is to really... Um, 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 to It's a desire to avoid that coping gap, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about maybe the traditional movie... I can't think of one off the top of my head, but if you're the lawyer sitting there and then, you know, this person's getting this amount and that person's getting nothing or, right, you right. know, they get the, you know, the baseball, baseball card collection yeah. or something like that. Right. There was a big coping gap there of between ex expectation 
and reality. And what we want to do is we want to shrink that as much as we possibly can. And that's one of the greatest um, benefits of a, of a, of a family meeting or this talk decision is to create an opportunity to shrink that, um, uh, that coping gap. So what we want people to, to encourage people to do is when one of the things that we've done and done very effectively with people is to have a family meeting. Um, family meetings can be conducted by uh, the parents, uh, the patriarchs, shall we say, of the family, or it can be even conducted by a third party. Mm-hmm. It can be conducted by a financial advisor, somebody who understands the, the what's really going on in the family and what it's really trying to be uh, accomplished and can kind of work that through, especially with some of the challenging family dynamics that we've had. Um, or have seen over the years. Challenging, family yeah. Dynamic. Blended families, uh, second marriages. Uh, there's lots of different things that can create some uh, challenges in these intergenerational things. Um, estranged family members. Lots of things that can be um, create some difficulty here. So there's some real benefits of having a um, a family meeting to kind of explain what's going on, what will occur at one point in time, and there's some lots of great benefits. So one is, as I just already mentioned, and that is to avoid that coping gap. What my expectation is, was a lot different than in reality. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it allows that person, you know, if that person thought they were going to get, say, an equal share in the estate, but it's not, it could be more, mm-hmm. could be less. Um, and if it's not an equal share in, in this particular case, then you want to be able to um, let them speak into it, mm-hmm. right? And you can respond to it. Um, you can't respond to it when you're dead, right? No and matter we, what you might think. Right. It's too late then. So you, you want to be able to do that while you're alive, hear them out, let them say what they want, but you understand that you've, you're coming to it. Let's say it's a husband and wife or partners or whatever. They're coming at, at it together unified, right? Right. This is what we, we've worked through it. We've talked it out. We've hashed it out. We're unified. And this is the direction that we are going together on this. And you don't really get to say, but you get to own the, the response. Mm-hmm. And then we have an opportunity to respond to you. So we really want to try to um, avoid that coping gap. Number one or number two, it really does. It's never really that bad. That's from my experience. Uh, so it does actually promote uh, family harmony, right? especially among siblings. Uh, and so you'll find with within families and siblings that, okay, we get it. We understand what's happening. Um, and then they can speak into it. They can hear from each other. It actually ends up creating more harmony than you think. So that's number two. Number three. And, and I think yeah. one of the things that comes up there, too, and why people maybe avoid these types of discussion is because they're afraid of what some of those reactions might be. And I know we've seen it. They're usually not nearly as bad as you think it's going to be. Correct. You think, oh, so-and-so is going to be so upset because we've made this decision. But when you give them the opportunity to explain, again, your heart and your desires, people tend to get it. Yeah, Yeah, I've had clients in the past, and again, I'm maybe generalizing a bit, but they've had concern of what maybe one of their adult children might say. Um, and then they're pleasantly surprised to find out that they were like, well, it's your money, mom and dad, you can do whatever you want with it. It's okay with me. Like it's totally fine. And Mm -hmm. that's not the, that's not what they expected to hear or even their siblings expected to hear maybe either. (laughs) Right. And, uh, and, and so that, 
very affirming. So a lot of times, as you mentioned, it's not as bad as you think it mm-hmm. might be. So it also helps kind of train. So number three, number helps kind of train the next generation on how to approach wealth transfer as well. So if we kind of go back to the beginning uh, in an earlier episode where we talked about wealth transfer starts kind of now yeah. and yeah. never really ends until you pass away, right? So even at my age, it's starting now. These are the types of things I need to be considering and having those conversations with the next generation, training them up to be the next steward. Um, This is an opportunity for the next generation to kind of see, oh, wow, mom and dad are, you know, really focused on finishing well. Right. They're doing a great job of it. They're modeling it. I can learn from that. Um, Gives Number four, it gives an opportunity for you to kind of share your values to Mm -hmm. the next generation. Um, your goals, uh, your priorities, uh, and let them hear that. That's especially true in where we would maybe look at charitable giving through the I was, estate. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really big one. So if parents are kind of setting some monies aside to support the charities that they want to, uh, the kids get to hear that. Uh, they get to hear their parents' heart over that. Mm-hmm. Um, and often what we've seen is the kids will come along and, and participate with them. I was going to say, I know we've had uh, some people in the past that have, it kind of had these types of conversations and it really gave that opportunity for other generations to become involved in the more philanthropic side of things. Right. Right. And it was done through, again, mom and dad's own wealth transfer planning, but it, it goes back to step three as well. Right. It created that example that, Hey, I want to, like, that's pretty cool. I want to get involved in that. Or, oh, like, this is what maybe this is where my heart is. How can I maybe do something and um, and have a, even maybe even a say in, into how things are distributed in the future as well? And I've even seen where it, it the parents were kind of surprised who actually <laughs> stepped up. And in, in one case I'm thinking of, it was actually a grandchild. It wasn't even one of their own kids. It was the next generation. It was mm. a grandchild that went hey, I really want to be a part of this giving and charitable side of things. And, um, you know, I really love what you're doing and I want to be a part of it. And that was a huge blessing to them to hear those words come from their grandkids. So Uh, number five is kind of going back to those tools and techniques, but allows you to kind of give you the opportunity to educate the next generation as Mm -hmm. well. So they can learn about uh, tax or investing or trusts or all wealth transfer estate planning. So there's an opportunity to train the next generation as well. And that's where if you have um, maybe um, a, a, an adult child that doesn't care about financial type stuff, um, maybe doesn't manage money very well, mm-hmm. but they realize that this is coming one day, here's an opportunity to train them um, uh, prepare the steward yeah. for, for them to reach it. Exactly. And I've seen success in that area as well, especially in, or not especially, but including in the areas of charitable giving, um, giving money away, not just for myself. You know, I would, a client years ago, she actually asked her son, well, what would you, what would you do with the money if I gave it to you? And he's oh, I'd buy a boat and go to Mexico and <laughs> Oh, oh, and I, I, I'd give some money away too. And, right. and she's like, wait a minute, you only said that because you think that's what I wanted to hear. And so it was a bit tongue in cheek, but it opened up the conversation mm-hmm. for them to kind of figure out what he would do with it, what she was planning on doing with uh, her wealth, and then 
be able to train him in that as well. So there's some really great opportunities that come out. And you're even creating unity between like mother and son in that Correct. situation, right? So we always kind of use it between spouses when we're typically looking at this, yeah. but you can create that entirely, like you said, harmony before as well right. of the whole family is on board and almost like they're all steering the ship in the same direction type of thing. Correct. Right? Yeah. And, and the mom can train, like in this particular case, mom was involved in real estate. So she actually kind of transferred the, her knowledge to her son in that you're going to receive this. You might want to consider investing in some real estate. Oh yeah. I don't have to go to Mexico or right. buy that boat. That's a depreciable asset. Maybe I invest in some real estate. Some, some great things come out of that as well. So, and then if you remember the previous episode where we talked about transfer of title, um, so whether it's a business or a farm or whatever it might be, this is this family conference is a great opportunity to have that kind of that formal transfer of title to the next generation or whoever's going to be the next owner of that business. So great opportunity to do that here and then talk about, you know, estate equalization or whatever it might be to the other siblings and everybody's together and can respond to it at the same time. So. Right. Because I know that can be a a hot topic, I guess, for especially like family businesses, family farms, is if there's multiple children, only maybe one is involved in the business. Well, how is that fair? Right. Right. To the other, like from the other siblings perspective sometimes. Yeah. And, or, hey, I've put in all this sweat equity in with mom and dad over the years. Um, I'm entitled to this. Well, maybe, maybe not. Right. And <laughs> right. we kind of touched on that with that owner versus manager type of discussion as well when it comes to the the title decision. So, yeah, there's we've seen it as far as really, again, I know we have a couple examples of farmers who, again, one of the child one of the children is going to be taking over the family farm how do we how do we do what we feel is appropriate for the other siblings it may not be equal it's impossible right. almost to make it equal right but how do we make it fair and yeah. that everybody again is on the same page and understands yeah and and we talk to clients about that fair is not equal um and here's the opportunity in this meeting to express that explain it hear back the feedback, answer the questions, and you get to do that while mm-hmm. you're alive as opposed to, well, you can't do Creating it at the reading of, of the will. Right. down the road, right? Exactly, between siblings yeah, in that particular yeah. case. So, And then the last one is, is kind of recognizing that you're not really trying to just control everything, right? Um, and that's where a lot of people think, oh, my parents are going to control everything to the the day the the second one dies, right? And maybe even beyond that, right? And so here, this this family conference actually kind of explains, here's what we're planning on doing, whether, you know, these things while we're alive, giving, giving to the next generation, charitable, whatever it might be, and then utilizing it, as we talked about in our previous principle, is, you know, making sure we maximize the use while we're alive Mm -hmm. and beyond, and then and then through that, so while we're alive and then uh, when when we do pass away and the last decisions are made. So there's a lot of really great benefits um, that way outweigh the negative side of a family conference. And you get the opportunity to express your heart, get their feedback, answer those questions. And we recognize that the process doesn't end there. It's a continual thing until you know, the good Lord calls you home sort right. of thing. Perfect. And yeah, I know 
like you said, those can be intimidating, but by the time you organize everybody's calendars and all that as well, like they're very valuable at the end of the day to, to promote just that harmony and um, yeah, get everybody in the same direction. And a lot of people ask me who should be in the room. Um, and often what I'll do with it or start with is any adult child or grandchild that you want in the room. Like, right. Let's start there. And then we can kind of whittle it back if it doesn't make sense. Um, it could be, you know, spouses, you know, so daughter-in-law or son-in-law can be in the room. So anybody really can be in the room to have those discussions, to hear your heart, to ask their questions, to give their feedback um, so that we can shrink that coping gap, mm-hmm. create more fa- family harmony, and then recognize that it can change in the future. And we may have to do another one of these, right? Because right? <laughs> family dynamics Usually change. Usually not a one and done. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we may have to do another one and update it. I know my siblings and I, we did one for our family and my, my mom who's, who is aging. And we did it a few years ago and it worked really well. Everybody's on the same page. My, my siblings had a, lots of questions. We answered them all, wanted to make sure there was enough money there for my mom and her care for the rest of her life and what, how it might play out. But we may have to do this again if, right. let's say, my care the the care needs of my mom changes in the next few years. We may have to have another run at this Very and visit and a different right? conversation on how that's going to look like. So it's never kind of one and done in these family conferences. Right. Perfect. So yeah. So that wraps up the the kind of the six decisions that we need to make while we're looking at wealth transfer. Um, I know you have a couple kind of points, I guess, to wrap things up or put a bow on this. Um, So yeah, why don't you take us through a couple just things to wrap this all together as we kind of conclude this topic? Yeah, so a few things I always try to remind people as I take them through this process. And one we've talked about a lot of times, and that is estate planning is very different than wealth transfer. If if you learn one thing from these episodes. (laughs) Two very different things. So wealth transfer begins now, never really actually ends. And the main thing you want to consider is the impact on the beneficiary, the impact on what is happening when you give that money to the next generation or whoever that beneficiary is, what is the impact of giving that to them? Um, We also recognize that this is also our kind of our last stewardship decision. Mm -hmm. We talked about we don't really own it because there's no uh, U-Haul behind the hearse. So we want to make sure that we take it very seriously on on this last stewardship decision with the the approach that we don't really own it. So what's the best decision if we're not really owning it and not really trying to control it? And that's where you start to get into the, do I give money away while I'm alive versus when I pass away? you got to follow the process. You yeah. talked about it earlier in this uh, episode, which is great, following the recipe. you got to follow the, um, the process. Um, one of the things I always share with clients is that giving wealth to a next generation um, uh, doesn't guarantee wisdom. Okay? So wisdom can create wealth, but wealth does not always create wisdom. I'd probably say rarely. Rarely, <laughs> right. And so that's why we want to prepare the next steward. So you got this runway until you pass away mm-hmm. to prepare the next steward to receive that wealth. And that's, that's a really big one that I want to um, uh, share with people. And then um, um, the last one is, based on the family conference, there should be no surprises at the reading of the will. Right. Right. Um, so everybody should be on the same page. Understand what the, the, the decisions of the person who's... Uh, estate that it is, um, and 
there's the coping gap is gone. It's a no brainer when the event happens and it's just done. Perfect. And yeah, I think that that ties a perfect bow on, on this conversation. Um, even for advisors, I'd say these aren't always conversations that people want to have or are prepared to have. And so even in this kind of format, it's been great to have these discussions and be able to kind of chat about uh, this topic because it can be a very difficult topic for everybody involved. Uh, but we want to kind of try to get rid of that stigma a little bit and, and make it a little bit more accessible. for people. Absolutely. Make it more of an adventure more fun than what it really is, <laughs> death and dying. Well, we'll, we'll make that our new mission, <laughs> making wealth transfer fun for people <laughs> in the future. You'll be glad to, be, to die. Yeah. <laughs> and again, just for our listeners, uh, keep an eye out for um, our special guests who we'll be looking to have on um, to talk again a, bit, a little bit more about the legal side of things, um, but to also kind of wrap up this topic um, as we... Um, yeah, progress into uh, the next phase. Looking forward to the next episode. Perfect. Thanks for tuning in to Your Life and Money. We hope you found this episode informative and inspiring. If you have any questions or feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at advice-first.ca. Remember, financial planning is about more than just money. It's about living the life you want. So take some time to reflect on your goals and priorities and let us help you create a plan that aligns with your vision for the future. We'll be back with more stories, insights, and strategies to help you get the most out of your money and your life. Until then, take care and keep planning for the life you deserve. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.